0: Revolution Radio, Freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Most are afraid of unknown depths, skirting shores thinking world flat, and with the island girls in celebration of new religion. Nobody led me, or said this way, I sailed alone on makeshift raft with wind as companion.
1: Fate for deliverance, confidence enough to assess new disposition.
0: Seekers of lost paradise may seem fools to those who never sought the other worlds. Welcome to Momentary Zen with Zen Garcia. Visit www.fallenangels.tv. You're listening to Revolution Radio. The
2: lips of Isaiah, or of... But he that
0: giveth his mind to the law of the most high and is occupied in the meditation thereof will seek out the wisdom of all the ancient and occupied be occupied in prophecies. Welcome all. I'm your friend and host Zen Garcia. This is Momentary Zen and I thank you for taking the time to join us this evening. I'm honored to have as guest in Roundtable again, both David Carrico, with two R's, and Gary Wayne. Gary, are you there, brother?
1: I am, and uh, so happy to be back with my two friends, Zen, you and uh, David, and looking forward to a good show tonight.
0: Yeah, we always uh, have just amazing fellowship, and seems to touch deeply all those that are following our work. So, David, are you there, brother?
2: I am there, my friend, and... I likewise am just greatly honored and blessed to be able to be with you and Gary tonight. It'll be a time of fellowship and learning and a time of challenge for us all, I'm sure. Just thankful for all the listeners tonight, and I'm just excited about the broadcast tonight. So thankful to be here.
0: I am as well, and it's going to be an interesting—as far as the second half of the show— And when we go into some of the Freemasonic occult secrets, um, it's going to be a surprise as far as, because both of you are so just very well-researched in that area, and I'm not as familiar, so um, you know I'm going to be learning just as much as the listening audience, but I am excited to to go into that as topic. But before we do so, uh, we'll talk about the Mark of Cain Uh, because this is something that intrigues a lot of people, and I know that many people have probably asked both of you about that. Um, But before we do so, let me give you each chance to give out your website and contact information. Uh, We'll start with you,
2: David. You can contact our ministry at fojcradio.com. There's you can find our website there and there is a link there to our YouTube channel. We have uh 24-hour internet radio on our Sunday morning live streaming broadcast at 10 a.m.
0: It seems like you are just doing a lot of shows lately, David, um, and just kicking them out. It's a it's amazing to see. You just have so much energy and you and Donna are just putting them out. It's uh hard to keep up with um
2: Gary, well, I, yeah, oh, I, ahead, David. When you're young like me, <laughs> right. is an option. And <laughs> listen, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And we are just so thankful. old John Pounder's over there at Now UC TV keeps us busy. And uh, we've got another broadcast tomorrow night. And, you know, the time's short. And we right. need to be about the father's business. And I'm, I'm just uh, thankful that he's being able to use us to some degree.
0: Amen. Amen. Gary?
1: Hi, people can get a hold of me on Facebook uh, at Gary Wayne and on two Genesis 6 conspiracy pages. Also, follow me and email me at genesis6conspiracy.com. That's Genesis 6 with the number 6. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Gary Wayne63. So, uh, lots of ways to get a hold of me, and uh, if you do get a hold of me, I will respond to you.
0: I was also going to ask you, Gary, because I know you do a lot of radio programs yourself. Mm-hmm. As far as guest appearances, uh, have you ever thought about hosting your own show uh, um, just to cover, yeah. you know, different topics, whatever? Not just, you know, be as far as somebody else's what they want you to speak about, but because I know you, in just doing the research, you're making new discoveries probably every day. That you could share just incredible information with. So so I was just wondering.
1: Yeah, I mean I people have talked to me about that. I I have had some offers. I've turned all of them down. Um just uh mostly for the, the main reason is is I'm still trying to uh get the message out about uh my research and there's there's a lot of that research still, you know, to come out. So I'm staying focused on that, and I'm trying not to be distracted. And uh, we'll maybe look at that down the road, but it's not on my agenda right now.
0: Well, I think you're you know you're wise to not commit because I know both David and I, having the schedule that we have with these shows that we are committed to doing, uh, that it does take a lot of focus and effort in order to um, keep the topics going and keep making interesting shows and doing research just specifically for that. Whereas, you know, we have this other side and, and uh, all these other draws and interests that we want to, um, go chase all those rabbit holes. But, you know, time is so limited, but, uh, we're doing what we can, but it would be interesting to do. And I'm sure that many people would support you, uh, should you decide to do so at some point. But, um, let me give David a chance to comment, and also, David, um, I want to give both of you an opportunity to speak on first, before we go into these uh, specific topics, anything of interest that you have recently been studying, uh, learning about, any new grand revelations, anything of, of that sort? <laughs>
2: Well, you're kind of to blame for some of my grand
0: revelations.
2: <laughs> uh, I will say that uh, one of the things that excites me uh, working with people like you and Gary is that it's not just a regurgitation of stale bread, that you're researchers and there are things that we're learning about all the time. And tonight our topic that we approach uh Mark of Cain. Uh, There's a correlation between the Mark of Cain and the Mark of the Beast, I believe. And something that happened this week that might be worth mentioning is an article in the Jerusalem Post. And the Jerusalem Post had an article that said that the Interior Ministry of the Nation of Israel has decided to push the natural the the national biometric database oh that, wow that they are going to require on a uh, a national id card fingerprints and also facial recognition pictures and this is not what we want to hear when we understand the uh ramifications and you know I'd like to hear what you guys think about that this is certainly Uh, for this to come down in Israel um, is certainly gives us pause. And, um, you know, I think that's worthy of us kicking around a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll make one quick comment and then turn it over to to Gary. But I I heard Dr. Sherry Tenpenny also mention, um, but this wasn't specific to Israel, but here to the United States, about how they are trying to make adult vaccinations mandated across the board and that they're going to link them to the passports and drivers' identifications, the driver's licenses, and that they will refuse to allow people to travel or to gain their documents unless they have updated vaccination records, which is absolutely horrifying. You do? Yeah,
1: and I think we're seeing an ever- consolidation of the uh, information systems that are basically independent parallel tracks and you know uh, where i live they've already combined the driver's license with our medical card and so oh, wow. they have yeah and they haven't put that in with the with the chip yet but that's coming and you know they're going to store all of this data and have all of this information on you and i think they're going to be doing more than just utilizing that information for the good of humankind You know, it's usually about control and it's usually, you know, about when you get into these occultic societies and things, it's usually about genealogies and who's superior and who's like cattle. And I think they're going to be using that database to not only control, but to filter who they want to uh, have in the, the dystopia that they're planning for us.
0: I also had one of my listeners contact me and ask me, my thoughts on the ancestry, you know, how they have those genetic tests available to where you can find out about your gene pool, your ancestry, and if they, because there always seems to be ulterior motive to everything and um, and that they, in offering that kind of thing to the public, uh, I don't know how much it actually costs to have that done, but they seem to are making it very cheap and accessible, affordable, and certainly when we do that, they know everything about us on a DNA, on a genetic level um, that, you know, can be scary considering what the, the Nazis were also doing in searching and going to places like Tibet and that they were doing these DNA and genetic experiments uh, to search out specific types of people. Uh, And that they were looking for these Ubermen and these uh, bloodlines connected to the Nephilim. Um, David, you want to comment on that, and then we'll go back to Gary.
2: Well, this is the the vaccination thing is horrifying, and this is also so related to our topic for this evening because the vaccinations, I believe, are being used to manipulate our genetics and the imposing of mandatory vaccines gives them the ability to shoot into the mass of the population, whatever they want to shoot into us. And I don't think they're going to be wanting to shoot anything in there. That's going to be real helpful. And this gives us a sense of urgency. There is a awakening on a scale that I think is unprecedented. And I think next year we're going to see an explosion of people that are going to become aware of the difference between science and scientism. And truly, and I know you've said this, uh, and I know Gary would agree also, that the scientists are the priests of the New World Order. Yes. This false scientism is going to be one of the big topics that we're going to be talking a lot about in the coming year and uh people the good thing about about it is people are waking up to this and we're going to see many many more people that are going to have the their eyes to see clearly what's going on in these areas okay
1: Yeah, and you certainly see the doctrine coming out and the value standards and the principles of the scientism. It is a religion. It is the polytheist religion that's pulling the strings of science. So we shouldn't be surprised that um, it would be used for some sort of religious standard. And everything is being based on that religious standard of scientism today. If you don't totally agree with them, well, then they're going to persecute you. But getting back to your point on um, this information and the vaccines and things like that, you know, it's absolutely frightful to think about what the Nazis, who are the same belief system as what we've just been talking about, um, would have done with the scientific information in these data banks and who how many how much more efficient they could have been in running people down and slaughtering them and persecuting them and one thing i do know about government uh, and particularly totalitarian governments but any government in particular in my mind is is that if you acquiesce or permit them to have more power they will at some point in time use it and that's why it's so very very important to limit the reach of government and the powers that they have because they will abuse it, and it, it's an MO that's been repeated over and over and over and over in history. But seemingly, we're going to have to go through that again.
0: Yes, it seems like that is um, most certainly on the forefront. Which I'm going to tie two other issues to this, um, and one has to do with the the way that they are mandating that children also be vaccinated, and that if you do not vaccinate your children that that is then abuse and they can take your child from you and enter them into um, the the state administered system the foster care system and they can you know basically condemn you as a uh, abusive parent and the the other thing with that is also the the way that they have the organ harvestation included into, like the driver's license scenario. And what most people don't realize with the organ harvestation is that um, the brain death and comatose and persistent vegetative state, these different definitions that they've come up with in order to declare a person dead before they are actually dead, that when they gain access to your organs, and I did a, a study not... Um, several years back, where I talked about how they will even lie to your family members, give you the worst-case scenario in order to gain access to your, especially if you're a young person, gain access to that person's organs, and how these for-profit healthcare system, hospitals, they make more money off of. Um, basically ending your life and delving out your organs to these various donors than they do in saving it. And if you are an organ donor, uh, then really your life is at risk. And what really kills you is them taking their organs from you, not, you know, the PVS, persistent vegetative state, or an induced coma, which they often do with drugs. But this is a, a very sinister side of the healthcare, for profit healthcare system. And um it's basically, you know, helping them to also target political dissidents. And this is being used also as a way to crack down on the opposition. And it's already very extreme in places like China where they have the, you know, the Christians, the Falun Gong, they're locking them up and then taking orders for their organs and selling them off to very wealthy individuals but um uh and oh and then the other thing with with regard to that is that the children are being targeted uh in pedophilic rings and there was a senator nancy schaefer here in georgia who was murdered in my opinion murdered they say she her husband committed suicide and killed her You know, out of not wanting to leave her behind, which uh, all of that, in my opinion, is just um, BS. But, anyways, um, she was looking into the Child Protective Services and how they were using the court systems to target specific types of children, even with certain looks, and that they were placing them in these foster care systems and with families that were known to be caught up in these pedophilic rings and that they were supporting. And the reason I mentioned that is because of all the Pizzagate stuff that is now coming to the forefront. Uh, David, would you care to comment and then we'll go to Gary?
2: Yeah, the issue of the child vaccinations shows us that there is a B system and they're going to make it hard for anybody to buck the system. If you don't vaccinate your children, you're not going to be able to send them to the government schools. They're going to make it rough, and people need to realize you don't want your kids in the government schools. You really don't. But it's a system that's going to force compliance to their agenda, and it's going to really put pressure and make it hard on anybody that's not going to comply. And this whole issue of organ transplants is a scary thing. And when I begin to look into this a little bit, and in like in the area of heart transplants there are such unbelievable testimonies and not just one or two but many of people that receive a heart transplant and they actually became become cognizant of the presence of the person that they got the organ from and what we're we're getting into we're getting into familiar spirits and uh, a possession and all kinds of doors being opened up with this. But it was a case of one lady that was not told the name of the person she received a heart from, but all of the favorite foods of the person she began to like, and she even learned the name of the person and went to the hospital and told them the name of the person that the heart came from. And it, it's amazing and bizarre of the stories that are coming out about people that are receiving organ transplants. And as regarding Nancy Schaefer, she was a martyr. She saw yes. the same beast system that uh, is there in Pizzagate, it was the same beast system that we saw in the Nebraska cover up in the early 90s. It's this pedophilic right. industry that is brutalizing children. And this beast system is a pool where they can place people and victimize these children at will. And not everyone involved in these systems are evil, not by any means, but they have succeeded in having the right people in the right places where they're able to continue their abuse. But uh, I really, Uh, you know, admire the courage of Nancy Schaefer, and I honor her legacy. And she absolutely, her and her husband, were martyrs. And uh, God bless them for standing up against that beast system.
0: Amen. Uh, I fully agree. And I had um, met with Nancy here in Georgia um, a a few times, and we had spoken with her about the coming as far as the New World Order system and the, uh, the trade, the, you know, the, uh, North American trade agreements, NAFTA and CAFTA and things of that nature. And I, I was fully shocked when, um, to discover, you know, that she was married because they, she was a very devout Christian and there's no way that, that, you know, they would have, um, she, she would have taken her life or her husband or any of that. That's, that's all, covered up but anyways gary let me give you a chance to to comment
1: yeah anything that is expanding some sort of mass distribution thing that has the ability to cattle herd and control people and influence people in ways that um you know should not be available and you know it's this whole idea of cattle herding and i'll come back to that in, in a second but the second thing that frightens me about that power is is that we have so many nurses and doctors who refuse to take vaccines. And what's that telling us? In fact,
0: yeah, exactly. um,
1: uh, you know, there's going to be legislation that is going to force them to take it or they're not going to be able to do their job. I mean, now they're forcing them with masks and a few other things. But it's uh, when you have people inside the medical community that are obviously expressing with their behavior, uh, things that we should be concerned with, it should, you know, this thing needs to be slowed down and, and uh, taken seriously. There's no doubt about that. So, But it's this idea of, as you bring these two things together, when you're putting all this data together and you're cattle herding people, it's almost like if you go to a, uh, a ranch today uh, where they're raising beef uh, for for uh, consumption, you know, they put in all of the same types of, of drugs and hormones and take them off to slaughter. In this case, they'll harvest the parts. When you have the all of this DNA information, the blood type information, um, and all the other information that they're going in, they can go in and selectively target on a search what they may want for the elite that are going to benefit from Right. system and you'll just see more people that are just disappearing all the time because now they can find the live ideal transplant person to provide them with these additional parts until they get the cloning down well enough to to do it i think
0: right right yeah because that's exactly what's happening in china uh with yeah. those political prisoners and being targeted uh for their organs and they have all their genetic um data uh what one other story and and I haven't really had a chance to investigate, look into this any deeper, but uh, a few of my listeners did send me a story about how recently uh, FDA inspectors have discovered uh, human and also horse meat in the various McDonald's meat lockers um, where they you know, have all their meat um, brought and then sent out to their various stores. Have you guys heard about any of that?
1: No, I'm not familiar with any of that at this point.
2: I, okay. uh, and I'm, I shudder to say the one, but I know that one of the fast food chains admitted to horse meat and they were putting their horse meat in their overseas uh, restaurants, because in a lot of places, like in France, you can buy horse meat in a restaurant and it's, uh, not got the stigma that it does here in the States, but they admitted to horse meat. I know in, uh, in their, um, burgers in the United States. And I'm not going to say which chain because I don't want to get something like that wrong and Mm -hmm. and any problems, but this is, uh, uh, you know, this is scary stuff, and I've, I saw the article uh, about the human meat, and I have not been able to verify that, but I'll tell the story that uh, was something that a ritual abuse survivor told us. Uh, this lady uh, was from, uh, her husband was connected, well, I'll just say she, I don't even know how to tell this, but she was claiming that human flesh was being put into meat and distributed through grocery stores in a certain part of the area. And this lady, I will say this, that she uh, went into the witness protection program after she talked with us. I know that for a fact. And I know that the FBI doesn't put people into the witness protection program if it's not the real deal. So I have heard from multiple ritual abuse survivors that there is human meat being put into uh, the American food supply. So this doesn't surprise me. We heard this, uh, you know, 20 years ago. So that surprised me
0: yeah um and i also had heard an interview from um i i forget the the individual's name but he was a christian broadcaster and he was interviewing this one particular rabbi who you could tell was connected to the synagogue of satan uh, those who say they are jews but are not and he was talking about how that they owned all the fast food restaurants and that they were purposely putting uh human meat into it in order to make people you know like break the commandments as far as against cannibalism um anyways we'll be right back everyone i want to make sure All right. Welcome back, everybody. Just uh, one final comment as far as the McDonald's situation and if they are, you know, have discovered human meat in their meat lockers. The uh, the real question is, where are they getting this meat and how are they making it? Uh, if it's that plentiful and how are they, you know, adding it and where are they getting it and how are they adding it to um the all these fast food places because i don't believe it's just only to uh the mcdonald's that even though that's the one that has recently there's been news stories on but in that inter- interview with a uh, it, it's james wickstrom i believe he was the um christian radio broadcaster and he was doing a a show with a rabbi abraham finkelstein and he was talking about the satanic uh, New World Order and their agenda and basically just boasting um, and and calling us all goyim, just like in the protocols. And that was one of the things he talked about was uh, the insertion of human meat into the food system in order to create, uh, have us all cannibalize uh, as far as humanity and be involved in that kind of a thing because it is such an abomination to the Most High God, and he also talked about, you know, that's also why they make pork so readily available and how they have it on all the menus of all the fast food restaurants because it is also uh, an abomination. But um, there's one other story that has also been recently been making the rounds, and this has something completely other to do, but this is something that you had mentioned, David, in a few shows that we were talking about and it seems like um the things that we were speaking about we were talking about how the possibilities of the ancient mother culture being located both at the north pole and also on near the southern antarctic uh in that region and how there seems to be discovery of ancient pyramid structures and underground bases and that even during world war ii when the supposed nazis had relocated and created new schwabenland a, a base down there in south america we spoke about how even the british sas how they went down there and investigating looking for the nazi base they discovered that they had built into and tied in with an already existent ancient tunnel structure system and so perhaps this is more of that but there's been a lot of buzz on the internet and i believe even the the other studio is speaking about this right now but i wanted to ask both of you if you had looked into or uh, heard anything further about this um you know as far as the ancient city because there seems to be a lot of personalities going down to Antarctic, um, even the Russian Orthodox, the high priest of the uh, the Russian Christian faith went down there to Antarctica for some reason. Buzz Aldrin recently, um, John Kerry, and Obama was even said to have gone down there. But uh, Gary, uh, let's go to you first. Um, do you have any comment on that?
1: Um, not much. I mean, there, you're definitely correct about the odd stream of very high-profile people that are suddenly taking a visit to, you know, some of the most bizarre locations of of the earth, and in this case, the Antarctica. And so you wonder why all of that is taking place. But um, not hearing anything that I can put my finger on or talk with, you know, a lot of specificity as to what's taking place other than the speculation that's been, you know, already out there for, for quite a while now.
0: And one other thing I'll bring up um, and before I turn it over to you, to you David. There was uh, several, about a year ago, several articles on Veterans Today, which is supposedly uh, an insider website for intelligence officers and, you know, special forces and people that are part of these clandestine groups, which um, have above top secret and things of that nature as far as access to secret information and uh, things that the public are, are not privy to, they spoke about how even the presidents, that there were three of them, Clinton, Bush, um, and Obama, how they had went to Africa and all met with the supposed coming of Marduk, um, who, you know, is one of these Anunnaki gods and that he had now, he has returned to, you know, like the whole Antichrist take over the New World Order system, that they were meeting with him in order to find out, you know, as far as, I guess, where the New World Order is going and um, bowing to him kind of like they bow to the Pope. Uh, David?
2: Well, I find, as you know, we've done shows on the Hollow Earth, and the Antarctic uh situation and it's amazing the way that the whole impact that Ant- that Antarctica had on World War II has just been written out of the history books and the Germans from the early 30s were making regular trips with submarines down to um, Antarctica And some of these German subs, they they had a whole class of submarine that was huge. I mean, they could carry tons of equipment. They were just absolutely huge. There still are not any submarines that are as large as these cargo subs that the Nazis had in World War II. And Roosevelt wanted to send Admiral Byrd to Antarctica to see what was going on before World War II broke out. Uh, in the 30s, he wanted to do that, and the only reason he canceled the expedition was because of the uh, the outbreak of World War II. And there were so many—I uh, mean, the the facts are overwhelming—so many key Nazi personnel. There were over 50 Nazi subs unaccounted for. And the massive amount of trips that were made to Antarctica, I am overwhelmingly convinced that they had a well-established base there that was there from the 30s, and I believe that this is exactly where a lot of the Nazis wound up after World War II, and I believe they're there to this day, still doing uh, things that are no good. And the mass of people that have been going to Antarctica really perks my interest. And uh the whole issue, uh, I believe that the Nazi uh flying machines were the UFOs that was there at Roswell. And I believe there's a definite connection. And I believe that, and I'm getting conspiratorial here, but uh, I just got to say it like I believe it sometimes. Yes. I, I believe that that Nazi technology was refined there in Antarctica, and this is exactly what happened at Roswell, that this was a Nazi craft, and there's a whole lot more uh, could be said about that. But I think it is very, very interesting and eye-catching to me to watch this parade of people and this new interest in Antarctica. And uh makes me want to think that you know there's something going on.
0: Yeah, most certainly. And um, it seems very interesting that both um the OTO and Alistair Crowley in, in to channeling the the book of the law, he mentions this guy named Lamb, who looks like one of these um, big headed um, possible you know ancient alien type beings. Uh, and how the OTO uh, and the occult side of the Nazi special forces, they spoke about being in contact with these ancient Nordics and that they were receiving and working with them to gain access to these high technologies and that they most certainly had high technologies and it seems like that is also the legacy of America as well with the operation paperclip and the assimilation of a lot of those um those nazi personnel but uh they and even the deep underground bases here phil schneider spoke about how we were burrowing into already existing structures as well and that uh thomas costello speaking about the Dulcie base um talks about the experimentations and the very deeper levels and even um one of my friends, Professor Truth, he has a friend, Lieutenant Colonel S.C., who worked in these deep underground bases and speaks about these various levels where the joint uh, workings with the, you know, these ancient aliens and also uh, humans, human uh, different lab coats and uh, scientists, that they are working on all aspects of different back-engineered Uh, fiber optics technologies even the uh, computers and also um the internet is said to be part of some of that back engineered technology and so uh you you know we can only speculate because we're not given a lot of information but there is some being leaked and some coming out we don't know what is disinfo and what isn't but um i want to just read really quick a short passage then we'll go back to gary and this is from an article written by preston bailey and he talks about how lord marduk was crowned during the time that nelson mandela um, had his funeral in south africa and there were 91 different world leaders and celebrities that went there and attended but that on top of them being there for his funeral that they were also there for the crowning of Marduk. Um, and actually, I'm not going to read a whole lot of this, but it, you know, I'll just post a link to this in the chat room. And people can look this up yourself, just Google search Marduk and presidents and the meetings, there's several articles. I, I think he wrote like nine or ten different articles talking about how they are meeting with, but there seems to be also a connection with what's going on there in because Marduk is supposed to be like the king of the world and even here it says that um, he's the king of Africa and we know that in like the mythologies of Shambhala, Asgard uh, things of that nature even Admiral Byrd spoke about meeting the king of the world uh, this particular figure and I I believe it's most certainly a, a satanic type of individual an antichrist a and abaddon type of individual and that this could be the you know the um the one that holds the key to the bottomless pit kind of deal um and is you know horde ruling legion and so um gary let me get you to comment on that if you if you'd like to
1: yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting it's interesting stuff and Um, It's kind of curious, though, if if, if that is actually going on, then what is the holdup as to why things aren't moving quicker, because what it assumes is is that if Marduk is back, and he's known by several different names, but Marduk is, you know, the ancient Sumerian Mesopotamian name. And where are the rest of them? And he wouldn't be there by himself. And there would be a significant group of these beings that would be there with them. and we would be moving very, very quickly in events. And so uh, it's not clear to me why there's just one being talked about. And so I'm trying to sift through how that makes sense in terms of what we know from prehistory and what we know about prophecy and why that's sort of a disconnect there in terms of, you know, so what, right? So they went there and met, so what? Because nothing's happening, and where's the rest of them?
0: Yeah, it's uh, interesting to me, and I guess what we can do, um, since we were going to talk about some of the Freemasonic and occult secrets, we can go backwards, we can enter into that and tie this to this particular topic that we're talking about, and then we'll end by speaking on the the Mark of the Cane, or actually go into it in the second hour. But um, uh, can you guys talk about how this is tied to, because it is my opinion, most certainly, that it's tied to the the strong delusion, the unveiling of the Antichrist to head the New World Order system, and that that's part of the agenda, that the New World Order is not to establish world government, but to establish global domination so that they can then hand it over to this particular individual and so can you speak about that in your studies from the Freemason the occult aspects of what you have looked into as far as masonry Uh, let's go to you first David and then we'll go back to Gary
2: yeah and uh, this whole thing about um, human meat and the food reminds me of the old science fiction movie Soylent Green
0: yes yes
2: where they were giving them the little green pellets in a while for eat human beings. And they were euthanizing them, then, you know, turning them into food. But I, I believe Phil Schneider, like the um, Schaefer's, was a, was a martyr. And if anyone would just look at his autopsy pictures, the way that man died was horrific. And yes. From what people like Mr. Schneider and others would tell us and from what we see going on with CERN, I think what we have is a deliberate effort to contact these fallen powers. It's a deliberate, determined effort to do nothing less than to work in consort with these fallen beings to enhance their ability to control the masses. And I haven't heard about the ritual meeting concerning Marduk, But it's very interesting in the original Sumerian pantheon, Enki was the chief deity that came down and uh, was the instigator of the corruption of the human flesh. And in Babylon, Enki was worshipped as as Marduk in the temple of the Esagila, which was right down from where archaeologists tell us the Tower of Babel uh, originally was and freemasonry honors nimrod as their first grand master and this is the heritage that freemasonry proudly owns to and it's the agenda that they've bought into and it's certainly something that we want to keep an eye on and uh it is just amazing there are so many of these pieces falling into place that we're going to see this I don't want to say quantum surge but we're going to see this thing go to a new level and the pieces are falling into place where you know this could just happen you know at any time
0: yes most certainly and um just like <clears throat> it's my opinion that when we reached you know the the 1947 and you have Israel coming into being again as a nation-state, um, that that was the, uh, the sign to them that this was the final generation. And since that time, they have accelerated the agenda that now um, that this is also being stepped up. And uh, just as Christ said that unless the days be shortened, there should be no flesh left, that things are accelerating as, at, a, at a quicker pace. But it does bring me to question just as gary uh... was saying you know what next from here and why isn't moving even faster than what we see gary
1: yeah because what they haven't done is they haven't been able to open up the abyss yet so whatever this is going on is is they don't have every being of of horror that came out of prehistory that are destined for the end times so they're still in preparation mode and And again, there's so many things going on, whether it's CERN and quantum computers and portals and stargates and this and that, too, that are, you know, obviously they're trying to get these beings uh, that were around to destroy the ancient world back for for the end time. But, you know, the other issue gets to be is is there's still the restrainer. So um, and, and it's not clear that the restrainer has been moved yet to me. Just as it's not clear or been removed yet just as it's not clear that the abyss has been opened up yet to me so i think that we're still in in preparation mode but you know as jesus said and as what you were talking about things moving faster and birth pains these birth pains are getting stronger and um, more in between each of the birth pains as they get close to the, the birth of the end of the age so um, this is uh, this is going to be moving quicker as as we go. There's no doubt about it, and a couple of cataclysms here or there could really move things along. So,
0: yeah, most certainly. Um, well, we know that at some probably, point,
2: it's probably right. not our Duke at all. It's probably John Podesta in one of Lady Gaga's stage costumes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to me, it's it's not going to be one of the uh, the famous ones of prehistory that's here already. It's uh, just um, an an imposter or somebody coming off that way. You know, a demon or whatever. Um, because all the evil angels, and I know they had to be impassioned to be in the abyss, but they're in the abyss. So if one was out, all would be out, and that's not the case.
0: Well, it it seems like. According to scripture, as you said, that when the gates are open and the hand of the strainer is removed, that uh, it will get ugly, and that most certainly is part of the agenda. But do you think that things like, um, according to you know what you have written, read, and read, uh, read and studied in, in the Freemasonic tests, um, like the protocols? I know they speak about a, a grand cataclysmic of financial collapse, and also yep. we have Albert Pike speaking about World War III, yep. uh, things of that nature. What what are some of the other things? Uh, we know those are two very key dominoes that most certainly could set everything, the world ablaze in, in quick fashion, but what are some of the other things that you have studied and read from the uh, Masonic materials, which you could give us insight into as far as what you see coming and which is part of the agenda here uh at the end of days gary
1: yes so i mean most of the things that you get out of uh, masonic uh, uh writings and things are things that are dealing with like as you say the economic system or the government system or things like that but what has to happen first is, is you have to have this universal religion start to take hold.
0: Uh, hold on. Hold that thought. We'll be right back here, and we'll pick it up. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to just turn it back over to Gary and then we'll go to David. Gary?
1: Yeah. And, you know, even though Freemasonry is, uh, you know, the organization that is in the foot soldiers to prepare the world for the new age and the world government and the new religion, uh, there's going to need to be something more that takes place than um, just the slow progression. And, and I get there's meetings and organizations going on and we have francis uh, as the pope in in rome and you've got still this sort of uh, fuzzy concept of these organizations working together but it, it needs something to move that along and you know again if we look into into the bible we have to look for this religion of nimrod the religion of babylon and babel and, and the antediluvian religion that this is the religion of freemasonry that somehow has to uh deceive the whole world it has to uh somehow um come about and umbrella even christianity if that were possible so there has to be a reorganization of christianity and there has to be a de- de- deifying of jesus to make that happen and you know if you have a, a nuclear war or something i don't believe everybody's going to convert to to one religion um, but I would look to the false prophets uh, that are prophesied and uh, the disasters and the things that they're talking about in the false Christ and things coming along. And I would look at perhaps maybe something um, going, you know, starting within Catholicism um, that, you know, uh, spreads to Christianity and then spreads to the rest of the world. And I'd keep an eye, I would keep an eye on the Medjugorje initiates that came out with, in, in the mid to late 90s. Um, their time frame for coming out is, is very, very short uh, and uh, should be you know, probably in the next five years or so. Not that I'm on the inside of that, but just judging by their age. But they're initiated to come out, and they've been given ten uh, warnings and secrets to announce to the world at the right time. And they'll come out and they'll say, if the world doesn't convert to this religion... Uh, which is, you know, in the language of Babel, uh, to a one-world religion working together and uh, and a world government, this disaster is going to happen. They've got ten of these set forth. So I would be looking for that to take place first. But again, this religious thing has to come along to set up the world government that works through the secret organizations so that they can put the Antichrist on the throne. So we're still in this grinding things out period, but I would look for some religious cataclysms that are going to influence how this thing moves forward more quickly
0: well yeah just like what Pike said as far as the layout for the third global war you know the controlled opposition and how uh, after the exhaustion of the struggle then they would bring out into the public view the universal light and manifestation of Lucifer or and Luciferianism. Um, David?
2: David? So much of what Freemasonry is all about as to their agenda is encoded in the symbolism of the ritual. Manly Palmer Hall told us that when Grand Lodge Freemasonry began in 1717, that it was the Rosicrucians that took this ancient occult knowledge and agenda and encoded it into the symbolism of Masonic ritual. Now there's a specific ritual that I'll make mention of that is very, very important and it's very little known uh It's the degree of mark master and in Europe, master Masons can form a mark master's lodge and they can meet as a independent entity that's uh independent of all of the Masonic orders, and they usually will meet. Uh, in a lodge hall. And in America, the Mark Master degree is the first degree of the York Rite. Uh, When a man becomes a master mason in America, usually the two avenues that they'll pursue if they want higher Masonic initiation is either the York or the Scottish Rite. And the York Rite is much overlooked and it's those things you're not watching. This is where the devil gets his work done. But this Mark Master's degree is just absolutely outrageous. And it begins with the candidate taking six steps forward. And after he takes six steps forward, the worshipful master will say, uh, this is now the sixth hour of the sixth day. And this man has come to receive these wages, and they take the candidate over—I mean, you know, it's just the obvious, in-your-face, the six, six, six symbolism—and then they take the candidate over, and they have, like, a, a little window in a booth that the candidate sticks his arm through— Well, when the candidate sticks his arm through the window, this other guy grabs hold of his hand and says, this guy's an imposter, this guy's an imposter. We're gonna cut his arm off. And then the worshipful master comes up and uh, says, you know, are you an imposter? And uh, then the guy before this, he was given a mark. He was given an object that had a specific mark. That's why they call it the mark master's degree. And if the, if the mason can produce the mark, and then the guy says, you know, in so many words, the ritual goes on, I've got my mark, I've got my mark, I can receive my wages, and you know, then the worshipful master says, well, it's all in good, don't cut his arm off, he's got the mark, he's okay. And you know, this symbolism is just so absolutely outrageous and over the top that Freemasonry began with claiming Nimrod as its first grand master and they are absolutely placing their stamp of approval upon this B system and even more than that they're claiming to be indeed that B system and the agenda of the uh new world order is going to be carried out through Freemasonry and Alice Bailey who was the queen of the new age in her day. She inherited the mantle that was held by Madame Blavatsky. It was passed to Annie Besant and then on down to Alice Bailey. But this is what she said. uh, And she said, this is late 30s or the 40s. She said the three main channels through which the preparation for the new age is going on might be regarded as the church, the Masonic fraternity, and the educational field. And we have talked about tonight how the school system is going to be used to impose these mandatory vaccinations. And he goes on, it says, but in all of these three movements, disciples of the great ones are to be found and they are steadily gathering momentum and before long will enter upon their designated task. By means of the educational work of the world, the great Lord, who's the great initiator, seeks to reach those of the intelligent public who cannot be reached by means of ceremony and symbolism as in masonry or by religious means and ritual as in the church. And Benjamin Krem, who claimed to be the spokesman for Lord matria he said in his book that the churches, the re- he called them the revitalized churches And the Masonic Lodges would be the places where these mass planetary initiations would take place, uh, according to Mr. Krim. And what I believe and what I have said for a number of years, the event that I believe is going to be the event that's going to create the chaos where all of the little pieces will come together, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 17 and 1 and the scripture says, the burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city and it shall be a ruinous heap. And you cannot listen to a day's worth of news without hearing the turmoil right now that's swirling around Damascus and with the high drama that's going on continually around this city. And I believe, and if you read the rest of Isaiah chapter 17, Not only does Damascus go away, we're talking about a big event, obviously nuclear, that's just going to take Damascus out. And if you read the rest of the chapter, Israel is also severely uh, damaged. It survives, but with the shoestring. In uh, verse 6, speaking of Israel... It says, uh, "Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it, as the shake of, of an olive tree; two or three berries in the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in the outmost fruitful branches." There, saith the Lord God, and Israel. And I, I, I say this with a heavy heart. But Israel, like our nation, as I also say with a heavy heart, they have turned away from the true God, and they have turned uh, unto ungodliness. Uh, the homosexual agenda, and Freemasonry, and they are going to come under the judgment of God, as will our nation. And when this scenario takes place of this war that Albert Pike predicted, and this is planned, Albert Pike in his three world wars, he said this is where the last one's going to take place. It's going to take place in the Middle East between uh, the Muslims and the Jews. It's just right there. All we need is just the, the match to light the gasoline and for it all to take place. And uh, you can see where the word of God is telling God's side of the story. And you can see the Luciferian prophets, they're prophesying their agenda. And you can see in the word of God where the showdown is going to take place. And I think the the rubber's going to meet the road right there in Isaiah 17 and 1.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that um, and that where that comes together in unity uh, because we can glean truth from both sides you know, in studying the Word and, and, and also studying the plans of the enemy uh, because they do put it out there um, for their adept and for the initiates and those that are part of their, um, their New World Order secret society system. Um, Gary, let me go to you and then we'll talk about in the remaining time, uh, the mark of Cain. And if this is, you know, if you want to tie it to this, but I know we've got some specifics. Um, uh, most certainly David as well, um, as far as what that is, but Gary,
1: are we looking to uh, tie the mark of Cain to what was just talking about right now, or are we still wanting uh- to talk about? Uh, I'll
0: give you a chance to comment on this and then you can okay. comment and it doesn't have to tie to this whatever you've learned whatever you think it is you know um, just we'll share some some teachings on it
1: yeah so again um, I think I think you know we're we're still we're still in this pulling together of things and I know uh, when we look at uh, Freemasonry as this you know, preparatory platform for occultists, I mean, it is going to be the uh, springboard for what's going to go on, and it reaches into all avenues, and just as as uh, David was saying, it's the Rosicrucians that, um, you know, are the ones that really uh, form the uh, the modern Freemasonry society in it and give it all of its uh, uh, symbolism and its and its structure and and it, and it sort of weaves its way back into prehistory. Just as Rosicrucianism was the holder of uh, the ancient Gnosticism that created Theosophy, uh, that uh, you know the the Nazis used as an offshoot called Ariosophy, which also springs through the New Age. And again, this is the religion of Nimrod and the religion of Egypt because they're the same religion, and it goes from. Um, babylon to egypt after the dispersion of languages but um so when we look at that then um, all of a sudden we have to understand that this rosicrucian issue which is the ancient sort of masonic history is is what does take us back into prehistory and uh you know i look at uh the rosicrucians in uh coming together or being founded either at the cutting of the elms or being regrouped at the start of the sarconi Rondin, about 1408 and that's the ordo draconis and you know they had uh, you know th- they did was they took a uh, symbol that goes way back into prehistory called the uh the orbus and that is the uh the, the serpent uh, clutching its tail and it's in a circle and in in this case they they prefer they have two one with the onk which is a cross on the inside and an onk on the outside, and they one represents the uh, the male uh, sort of line, and the other one on the inside represents the female line, and they look at that as uh, their distinctive signifying um, icon that comes down through history as being the mark of Cain, and. Uh, that's their belief system. I don't believe it was that, but they certainly are within their traditions of, of, of understanding what the mark of Cain was. And what's really interesting about that is now, if, you're gonna, if we're going to do that, then what we're doing is we're tying whatever happened to Cain to this end-time religion, which was spawned by Cain and his son Enoch. So, and, of course, Cain, Enoch, Tubal Cain, Lamach, all of these patriarchs on the cainite side are the patriarchs of freemasonry so this is this religion that is going to somehow uh, destroy uh, christianity but not to a point of where it disappears or they can reshape it and fold it into this umbrella religion because it's going to have an uh, umbrella all of the religions of the world which is why the jewish people are going to be able to start to do their sacrifice either on a wing of a temple or a new temple to be built. And if that didn't happen, and, and if it wasn't able to to dominate all the other religions and fold them in, A, why would the, relig- why would the Jews be doing part- that as part of their old religion uh, unless it's religions being un- umbrellaed under this major religion, just being united with new doctrines that tie them all together? So as we go back into understanding what the... Uh, the mark of cain is is understand everything that we were talking about in the in on the first half is really going to be tying back into the back half on the mark of cain in its history
0: so uh, i think you know just as we had the the marriage of the pagan and the christian during the time of constantine that you're seeing uh, a marriage of all of these different religions and the different holidays and celebrations uh, that it will be a further paganization of all of them uh, to yes. be, you know, amalgamated into this one religion. Uh, another ho- oh, another, ahead, homo-
1: another homogenization only on a greater scale than what um, right. Constantine did. And they can do that because they in, in the Gnostic religion, as they understand it today, or theosophy, is, is all of the religions of the world are the same religion except for these rogue monotheists. Aspects and today, whether it's it's Sufism in Islam or Kabbalism in Judaism, the Essenes or the Gnostics that have infiltrated infiltrated, um, Christianity, they have mysticism already operating within these religions to bring it down. But Christianity is the real issue with Jesus, so he has to be deified. Paul has to be taken out as the evil liar that the uh, dead sea scrolls will refer to them as and they have to all but destroy christianity to bring it back and yes we'll have like all of these different other sort of lost sort of religions and denominations as they will call it still doing individual types of rituals and 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 worshiping but there'll be a common uh, overlay that goes to umbrella all of these religions that's sort of my conclusion anyways
0: Yeah, I I can see that fully, David.
2: We did a program, Zen and I, if anyone is interested, on Now UCTV about the mark of Cain. How that we discussed the idea that the mark of Cain could have been the lack of facial hair. And anyone that's interested in that, they could go to Now UCTV and hear that broadcast. And I still believe that. For what it was in that time frame, that's the would be the best understanding that I would have. And as I think about the mark of Cain, I believe that the mark of the beast is Satan's version of the mark of Cain. And if you think about it, the Lord put the mark upon Cain to protect him. And in the end time, the beast is going to put the mark of the beast. To protect his people. And this is just the satanic extension of the Mark of Cain. And we see in this understanding of the mark the ultimate imposing of the system upon God's people. And this has some very clear historical precedents. Uh, there's a very uh, amazing passage in the book of 3 Maccabees, chapter 2. Uh, beginning in verse 29. It's just an amazing passage, and this speaks of the persecution that took place in the days of Antotius Epiphanes. It says, those who are registered are also to be branded on their bodies by fire with the ivy-leaf symbol of Dionysus, and they shall also be reduced to their former limited status in order that he might not appear to be an enemy of all, he inscribed below, but if any of them preferred to join those who have been initiated into the mysteries, they shall have equal citizenship with the Alexandrians. And the commonality that Freemasonry holds with all of the world religions is the appeal of the mysteries. In the third degree, Hiram Abiff is the god that died and rose again. This is what every Freemason imitates. He plays the part of Hiram Abiff, and by so doing, he plays the role of the dying god of the mysteries. Whether Nimrod and the Babylonian mysteries or Osiris, in the Egyptian, or Dionysus in the Greek. The dying God of the mysteries is the God that the Beast of Revelation will purport to be. And in the early church, in the Antonicene Fathers, um, Hippolytus drawed the connection between the imposition of the mark in the days of Antotius, and with what took place in the early church with the Caesars. Um Hippolytus wrote, and, and he looks back uh, historically to what happened in the 2nd century B.C., but uh, Hippolytus wrote, "...for being full of guile and exalting himself against the servants of God with the wish to afflict them and persecute them out of the world, because they give not glory to him, he will order incense pans to be set up by all everywhere." That no man among the saints may be able to buy or sell without first sacrificing. For this is what is meant by the mark received upon the right hand and the word in their forehead. Indicates that all are crowned and put to death on a crown of fire and not of life, but of death. For in this wise too did Antiochus Epiphanes, the king of Syria, the descendants of Alexander of Macedon, devise measures against the Jews, and. This is what we're in for. We are in for a beast system that is going to demand worship to be able to buy or sell. And for us, I know that we three are in agreement that the pre-tribulation rapture is one of the great deceptions. And this is why there's such an urgency. There's an urgency to look at what's going on, to examine like never before and wake up to the lies of scientism, to wake up to the lies of uh, lethargy and dead religion, and to speak with an urgency like never before on the issues that need to be spoken about And uh, it's a time where we can take great heart that people are waking up and people are getting their eyes open because this thing is so obvious. The same thing happened in 200 B.C. in the 4th century.
0: Hold on, David. We'll be right back, everyone, for final segment. Uh, welcome back, everybody, for final segment. Uh, really quick comment, then we'll go back to David. Um, I just wanted to say I did post a link in the chat room to the show that we did on Tannachdalan, the city of Cain, and also the mark of Cain. And in that show, not only did we cover from the Sumerian aspect about possibly the mark of Cain being um, the inability of the Cain, the Kenites, to grow facial hair. But I also shared the possibility uh, from Jasher of it being a horn and that Cain looked um, monstrous and that that was why he was pointed out by his uh, grandson, Tubal Cain, and the blind Lamech had shot him uh, with an arrow while they were hunting. And also that it was the figure X um, and that, you know, it was this symbol and that it was only, it was given him as a mark of protection, only to give him reprieve uh, for seven generations, and then he would be killed by one of his own own family line, which did in fact occur with Lamech seven generations later. uh, Lamech ended up killing him and then also killed Tubal-Cain. But anyways, David, let me uh, give you a chance to finish up your thought there. Um, You were talking about how this had happened previously in 2 B.C.,
2: yeah, the um, the historical precedent in the 2nd century B.C. with Antiochus and Hippolytus and the other Antonicene fathers, they recognized when the Caesars would uh, force the Christians to burn incense unto Caesar before they were able— uh, when they went down to pay their taxes, if you didn't burn incense, well— was in a lot of trouble and you know this is the same B system that's going to be enforced in the very near future and you can you can tell it's coming down globally you know uh, Gary can talk about how it's happening in Canada we've got friends in Australia that are telling us um, you know these things are happening there it's happening globally and the thing that we want to think about is as God's people what do we do and uh, a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 9 is very pertinent to that. Uh, it says, he cried, all, he cried also, Ezekiel 9 and 1, He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which laughed toward the north, and every man had a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub where he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with the linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of all the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations be done in the midst thereof. And I know I'm talking tonight to God's people and God's remnant that are grieved to the depths of their heart with what they see coming down. And we seem powerless to stop these agendas that are going on but if we sigh and cry and are grieved with these abominations, God will set his of protection upon us. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation, we see the sealing of God's end-time remnant take place. And now is the time for God's people to once again seek the Lord with all of their heart, with all sincerity, because we are coming in to the most solemn time that our planet and the history of the human race has ever seen. We are, and it's really exciting to be a part of it because God is going to have his people. God is going to use them right up into the time when he comes back. So it's time for God's people to hit their knees and lift up their heads because we have a big God that's able to protect his people and to use us through these last days.
0: Amen. Uh, I would also say that in uh, Maccabees 4, it shows how they were trying to force the Israelites, the Hebrews, to eat food sacrificed unto idols and how they refused to do so and would even um, undergo torture to be martyred unto the kingdom rather than to participate in paganism um i want to turn this back over to gary but i want to also ask both of you if you see an electronic in a chip component to the mark of the beast the beast system and the not being able to buy or sell gary
1: yeah, and and I want to say that you know the uh, the mark of Cain is more of an allegory to the to the mark of uh, the beast in the end time because you know the mark uh, of Cain was you know a special thing to um, make him stand out as as a signal or a flag or a beacon or an omen of what would happen. It was something very very unique for uh, the protection of. Uh, of uh, Cain from people that would go looking for him uh, as opposed to him being killed by his own family who would al- already know him and you know even to the extent it could be defined as you know as a miraculous sign if you take the etymology back uh, to Hebrew as an auth whereas the mark is a whole different ball game in terms of what we're talking about for for the end time and we also as David had talked about this the seal that goes on, the 144,000. And again, that has a whole different sort of meaning when you take that back to Greek than what it, uh, the mark does in, uh, in uh, Revelation 13 or 14 or 16 or 19 or 20 where, where it shows up. And so what I find very, very interesting about how it's worded is, is um, and I'm going to come back to the electronic part because I think that's going to be a significant part of it, is that um, you know everybody is going to have to take a mark on their on their hand on their forehead, but it's the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So it seems like there's a few different varieties of what this is going to be. Is in terms of a mark, maybe same technology but not quite identical, and that may be for the different language or whatever. Not sure why there would be you know, three sort of different variations of what that could be as it's listed there. Um, but no matter what you can do, I mean, it tells you that you can count the number of the beast or compute it if you want to uh, bring into a modern sort of understanding. And I think that people make a very large mistake that the prophets didn't understand what they saw. Uh, they, they clearly saw... What's going to happen, and they were describing it, not necessarily as much in their own words, but so that it would be understood through time as well. Otherwise, it would it would lose its 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 meaning over time. So this is something that nobody could buy or sell. So this has to be connected to technology, right? Um, so you have to either scan it or it's totally visible. But also, the people who aren't going to worship the beast. I mean they cause them to uh... or to take the mark you know they're going to lose their heads so i think again there's an implication of technology that's there i also believe that we haven't seen the final manifestation of what that mark is going to be because it's still evolving with technology and we may know of sort of the uh... the beginnings of it which i'm sure we do and the RFID chip is certainly a significant possibility there when you understand that when it takes Mark, you take Mark back to Greek, it's like a stamp or an imprinted mark, okay? And, you know, it's like you could, you know, stamp this in on some sort of chip or just bury it below the, uh, the, uh, uh, the skin. And so I think, I think it's going to be something like that. But also, you know, Mark also talks about it as being a badge in its, its Greek translation as being a badge of the followers of the Antichrist. So I wonder whether when it talks about an image, whether or not it might have the ability as technology to also project an image of the beast that's coming out of this chip as well, um, as, as in a hologram. And then the other thing is, is that when you get into uh, the definition of, of Mark and Greek and, it, and it's karma, which is the same as character, I mean, that is talking about engraving as, as a stamp as an exact copy or an expression of an image. So again, that's why I kind of maybe bring this back. But it's got to have some sort of mathematical binary or whatever system to it as well, which is also part of technology, because you're able to count the number of the beats if you have the wisdom, and we don't know whether that is the wisdom of human intelligence and sciences or the wisdom of God, because you could translate that either way. But probably with the understanding of, maybe both maybe i don't know but anyways you can count the number of the beast when it comes comes out because it's the number of a man So when, when i look at all these kind of different aspects about it i i i look at counting i look at computing i look at possibly ability to project a hologram i look at not buying or selling i look at it as being an identical image and i have to in my own mind i mean Maybe I'll you know reality will change my conclusion down the road, but I think it is this chip or and and it still is evolving in terms of its its technology, but the ability to to uh, not let you buy or sell without having it is so key because everything that we use for chips today is that technology for buying and selling and storing of knowledge,
0: right, right. I also saw a, a different component. Um, this individual, he was a developer of this particular chip, and he was speaking about how they even included, um, like this ex- explosive device within the chip, and that they had, you know, like they could wipe a person off of off of the face of the earth just by imploding them or setting off this particular explosive device that was built into the chip and you know they could assassinate people which goes part of, uh, of the global tracking uh, and keeping up with everybody and it could be one of the reasons why they want everybody to be chipped so that if they needed to you know take anybody out at any time all they'd have to do is um, click on that that device and kill somebody from inside out. Uh, David?
2: I think Gary is just absolutely spot on. We cannot separate this from technology. And when I was going over the Jerusalem Post article, that's what I was looking for. Well, we got fingerprints. We've got biometric pictures, but we don't have a chip. And you can just see that's going to be the next thing, the RFID chip. And when Obamacare was proposed, the RFID chip was supposed to be a part of that, and I just hope that goes away forever. But, you know, they're just going to keep trying to bring that back and bring that back. And in uh, using gematria to determine uh, the number of the beast, a lot of people say that gematria is wrong because it's Kabbalistic and occult. Pythagoras used it, certainly. The Kabbalists did it. But in the Word of God, if you look at the received text, of Revelation 13, the numbers 666 are not written out. What is in the Greek text is Chi, Psi, Stigma, the three Greek letters that total according to Gematria as 666. So not only did the Apostle John, but also the Holy Ghost put sanction upon the use of Gematria to determine the beast. Now, another one of the apostolic fathers, Irenaeus, who was taught by Polycarp, who was taught by the Apostle John that wrote the book of Revelation, he used gematria, and he came come up with his idea what the name of the beast might be, and it's very, very interesting. Uh, Irenaeus said, uh, "...inasmuch then as the name Titan has so much to recommend it, there is a strong degree of probability that from among the many names suggested, we infer that perchance he who is to come shall be called Titan. Now, this is interesting on a couple of levels because, as we know, the Titans uh, were the ones that were imprisoned in Tartarus that had the uh, propagation with human women. But also, on the technological level, Google Titan, the supercomputer, the titan computer which is right down here in uh, eastern tennessee is now the most super of all the super computers it is number one and they and i don't even understand all the technology but they have just recently put in these new super chips the titan was one it was like the number three computer in the world and they have installed these new super chips in it and it's now just gone to double beast computer. So w- we can't get away, and it's amazing. I think the wisdom of the old father just might come home for us. But you cannot, as Gary said, we cannot separate this from technology. And this technological aspect is something that we've just got to watch so closely because this is absolutely how they're going to implement this thing.
0: Gary?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100% with that. And I also hear that, you know, and it, it's not common, but it's common enough just uh, for, you know, a bit of a warning that there's people out there who say that it, it's not about the mark that you take. It's whether or not you worship the beast or not is whether or not you're going to have to worry about it. But, you know, you know, Revelation 14 and uh, 16 and 19 and 20 are very, very very, very clear on this, um, uh, not sixteen, but uh it's it's who those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark it 's both it 's not just one, but you know if you don't receive the mark, i mean um, i don 't know why you you wouldn't take the mark if you weren't going to uh worship the beast because you have to eat, so it makes no sense, but it 's there for a reason, so I think there's going to be some people who don't take uh... The, the mark but still worship the beast for for whatever reasons and uh... Be, and, and i guess that'll be more clear to us in the end time so i think people need to be very very aware of that and uh, this whole thing about being able to buy or sell i mean i don't know uh... a better way to control people and as we talked about earlier in the show this is all about control and everything they do is about control in terms of cattle herding us and controlling us And uh, this is the ultimate control that they're looking for. And there's no going back. And somehow this mark is going to be used or it has a natural defect in it or a natural thing that the the human body is going to reject because there's going to be grievous sores on the people who take the mark of the beast and worship the image. And so... Something is going to happen with that, and I don't. Again, I don't know whether or not it, it it's, it's God-driven. It's probably our own curse, right? It's probably humanity's own curse for putting it in. So I think it's got something to do with the technology of the people that are going to take that mark. But perhaps the elite, the pure bloods, aren't going to take the mark. Maybe right. that's the ones that who aren't going to take the mark. And this is for all the lower level. Yes. Uh, Bunch bloods and, and mundane people that they have to have around, right? So it may have something to do with that as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. And uh, also there's some individuals that have come out and said that just taking the chip and having the RFID frequencies, that that causes irritation to the body. And of course the body doesn't like foreign... Uh, implants and things of that nature put into it anyways and that um, it tries to fight against and reject or build up immunity or, you know, build tumors around these particular um, injections Uh, and that they—it is also said that they are clandestinely doing these kind of things to newborns in certain countries, maybe even right here in America— Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about that or not, David.
2: And Gary is so right that there's a definite nuance of distinction between receiving the mark and worshiping. And it's very possible that they could hold me down and put a chip in me. And that's what they'll have to do. They're going to have to do that to get one in me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's possible they could do that, but that would not touch my soul. There, it's the giving of the mark, and it's it's like it's a private thing. You go in, and you got to consent to get in the mark, and they put it in your whatever, but then you willingly worship the beast. Now, here's where I believe uh, epigenetics begins to come into play, and the things that we've talked tonight, like an RFDI chip, vaccinations, and even things like tattooing. If you study tattooing, the, uh, the people that do tattoo ink, many of them are Satanists that hold the patents on it. And they're, they don't have to disclose what's in it. The FDA has regulations about what put you put in your body, but not what you put on it. So because of using the guise of trade secrets, you don't know what's in it. And studies have shown that the things within tattooing can cause genetic mutation. So we're talking about things that make us think in terms of transhumanism, and as I have said many times, I believe the former way that we will worship the beast will be in a false communion. I believe that one of the popes will be the false prophet, and I believe that the worship of the beast will be a transformed or transmutated Catholic mass where what you ingest is going to be something that With your will, you see, in the study of epigenetics, we know that people that make what they call wrong lifestyle decisions, what the Bible calls sin, that this actually alters a person's genetics. And all of these things, I believe, are preparatory. The vaccinations are uh, kind of like the inoculation, pardon the pun, into the, the things that get this going to where... They want humanity to take a quantum leap into this transhuman being that's going to be ruled over by this man that I believe our Savior was fully God, fully man. He will be fully fallen angel, fully man. And this is how I believe it's going to come down, that we're talking about something that's going to involve the decision of the will, that's going to push a person over the edge, to where they go beyond the Veil of Redemption.
0: David, your website one more time?
2: fojcradio.com. com Go there, sign up from a YouTube channel and say something nice about me.
0: Gary? genesis 6 conspiracy.com dot com. Final comment from you, Gary.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I believe uh, tags on to the the mark of the beast at the end time is is an oath, an initiation, and an allegiance to the Antichrist and to Lucifer. And I think that is the distinction, that you can't be forced to take the mark, that you're going to be sworn into this initiation and your
0: allegiance. They will wonder after the beast. Thank you, fellas, for a really awesome program. I appreciate you so very much. We'll definitely set another time and another subject and pick up in discussion. It's always fascinating to fellowship with you. I so appreciate all of you, and I hope that all of you in the chat room enjoyed and got something out of the program. Be blessed all. Good night.